Welcome to Talk Chulate. I am Game Chulate, and this is the show in which we talk about games and games industry news from two years ago. Because, yes, okay, that's what we do. I'm joined as usual by my two guests. First of which is Mick. Hi, guys. And the second is Prozel. Hey, guys, this is Prozel. One is calling us from a very cyberpunk location, and the other one is calling us from. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. Is that a video game location? Yeah, it's a, by, nobody knows this location. Okay, we'll keep it. We'll keep it as a mystery, and then at the end of the maybe somebody in the comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe we'll keep it. That's cool. That's cool. Cool. As you probably know already, we're gonna go over the games that we released two years ago that we released, that were released two years ago. We're looking at the games from the second part of October 2018. And we discussed the major releases and the games that we got, that we want to discuss and uh, put our opinions over. And we don't really have a lot to say. There are not many titles competing at the same window two years ago, but there were a couple of big ones, especially one in particular we're going to be talking about. But let me drive just over the schedule. Uh, as you can see, most of the games are ports to Nintendo Switch. The most interesting of which is Dark Souls Remastered, which miraculously uh, arrived to Nintendo Switch on uh, on October 19th of two years ago. Uh, so exactly two years ago. And the remaster was ported by a studio that, you know, this I remember two years ago, a lot of studios were kind of competing to decide which studio was going to make the best port of of a, of a game on Nintendo Switch. Like then it was, you know, everybody tried to, you know, everybody talked about The Witcher arriving to Switch. And anyways, it, together with The Witcher, I think this game contributed to the library of Nintendo Switch being a bit more adult. Because usually Nintendo consoles don't really get this kind of games. So when this game came out, I was like, wow, this console is almost a real console. Like, you can consider buying this console. It has real games. And this game runs at 60 frames per second. No, uh, yep. no, wait, on all platforms except Nintendo uh, Switch. Sorry. Not even docked? Not even docked, no. 30 frames per ah. second on Switch. That changes everything. That changes everything. Did you guys play the remastered? Uh, yes, I tried it. Oh yeah? Yeah, I tried it. Uh, it's right. quite honestly. I, I didn't play the, the whole game, but I tried. You know, nothing runs on 60 frames on Switch docked. Uh, I, I mean... Zelda, I think. Yeah, sorry, but just when docked. But when yeah. it's possible... And I believe everybody plays Switch Portable, you wouldn't notice the difference. But I'm wondering if this can play 60 frames on all other versions, because I'm not sure on PS4 runs up. It should, I mean, maybe it, it does tries not. To. As you said, it's, it does not, but apparently the game runs at native 60 seconds only on uh, no, it says on all platforms and what even supports 4K on the Pro and Xbox One. So apparently yep. 60 frames per second also for PS4. They're remastered, of course, we're talking Not about. Yeah. 4K, there is no way in 4K. 4K for PS4 Pro, but not 60 frames per second. Yeah. Definitely not. Which is the most important is the 60 frames. So I mean, yeah. we talked about Dark Souls and Dark Souls Remastered a couple of episodes ago. And yeah. it's a game from 2011. Yeah. And it's a game that had frame rate issues on 2012, yeah. I believe. When it came when it came out on PC, uh, there's a there's an infamous famous location that's called Blight Town, and it's a it was called the Lag Town because it's a very open area with a lot of enemies, and every enemy is doing something. There's a lot of fire, a lot of tiny enemies too on the screen. And on PC, when when it came out on PC, it was kind of broken already. It lagged all the time. We've seen DS fixed the the you know the unofficial patches that fixed it. Uh, then we've seen uh, Dark Souls remastered on PC, which obviously fixed it as well. It's kind of of a shame that we don't have it on Switch on 60, but I guess it sadly is tied to uh, the, the Switch itself. But I'm seeing I'm seeing on the internet that Blighted Town. On 30 FPS was running fine on Switch, so oh, wow. finally, 
Somebody did it? Well, some people could <laughs> play it. You know, it's still the first time for a lot of Switch owners to play this game. So yeah. I guess that that's going to have to do, you know. Anyway, yeah. that was kind of a big deal two years ago, if you think about it, in terms of releases. Yeah. There was also the release of Soul Calibur 6. I haven't played one of these in ages. I don't know what's going on with Soul Calibur. I think the last one was probably on PS2. <laughs> I think I've played this. <laughs> Or I even just, too, yeah. or even just Soul Edge. No, wait, did I play one on? I don't remember. I don't remember. But yeah, that came out two years ago. Nobody speaking about it. Nobody told me about it, and its reception was okay. But I'm not on the scene, so I don't know what's going on. Apparently, received nominations and some accolades. So there you go. Uh, that's uh, Soul Calibur is still a thing. I think the Dreamcast version was pretty famous of this game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean the Soul Edge version you mentioned is uh, the PlayStation version version of uh, Soul Calibur. So mm -hmm. the, the Soul Calibur arcade got ported into PlayStation as Soul Edge, which I bought on release date, and it was I I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I I have to say that I never played it anymore uh, because nowadays I think eighty quid for or seventy quid, whatever. I think sixty quid. How much would be brand new game for? A fighting game mm -hmm. who is spending that money that would be an interesting topic because these these games were very important a long time ago like yeah. you, know, street, you know street fighter era 1982 to 1986 probably and then they disappeared like uh i mean would wouldn't say they disappeared but probably i think it's fair to say that they became like uh, a very it's like a very restricted uh, type of games for, for 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 a very restricted uh, audience type. Yeah. Anyway, this audience was pretty supportive of the game. The game was number five in the UK on the chart when it came out, and it was number three on the Japanese chart in Japan, which is is a high number if you consider that this is a PlayStation game and PC game. And it's not on Nintendo console, and you have to consider that in Japan, usually the top three, it's always Nintendo games. It's like mm -hmm. that. But for, for this game to arrive third and sell 24,000 copies in its first week, that's that's decent in Japan. Okay, cool. So that's Soul Calibur 2 years ago, together with the Souls Remastered. But the, and another one game that I think was pretty interesting was Gwent, the Witcher game, which Ooh. is probably one of my favorite things. Yes, one of my favorite I things remember this happening. Of, of The Witcher game. Man, if you <laughs> haven't played The Witcher 3, you should play this game just for its internal MIDI game. Uh, the game even arrived more recently on iOS and Android. But yeah, it's a, it's a card game It's inside the that was inside Witcher 3. I think they worked a proper card game out of it and as an independent release mm. that came out two years ago. And I don't really want to say anything else about it, but go check it out if you haven't played um, the game. And I think that we can just move forward to the big release of two years ago, which is, of course, Dream Daddy, the visual novel where you can date a dad. No, I'm kidding. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. Bang. Wait, go back to Dream Daddy, please. Why? I know I enticed you. <laughs> this no, is this is not even the original game. This is the director's cut that came out. You know that how much how many things you know about that, this? Too that that director's cut. You know I love the visual novels, especially yeah, especially the weird ones where you date pigeons or dads. How many copies did this sell? I'm sure a lot. I think above Sokaribo <laughs> six, but let's see. <laughs> First of all, it was reviewed pretty well. You can mm -hmm. see. Well, 72, yeah. That's that's not bad on Metacritic. Metacritic would uh, have your ass for much less. Critical... Five. <laughs> mixed or average response. Critics ah, know that the game does a good job at trans transitioning from comedic to serious. Uh, anyway, the representation of LGBT people, blah blah, was generally positive, etc, okay. etc. Et anyway, it got it got really it got some nominations as well. And uh, what came out two years ago, to be precise, was actually uh, some sort of rework of the game. It's called the Dead Dead Rector's Cut. It is a it is a director's cut. It, it deserves 
money just for that. Just for that yeah. pretty terrible pawn. And the rest of uh, October 2018 doesn't really have any other releases or, you know, worth mentioning. Uh, maybe there is Gull Metal, which is a rhythm game with anime little girls. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But seriously, I think it's time to address the elephant in the room, which is basically just a, a horse in the room in this case. Um, this is a game that obviously attracted people were waiting for it it was the you know it was the big rockstar game after gta 5 it's gonna be a long time before rockstar gives us another game because we know the development cycles of rockstar and everybody was really hyped about this game and when it came out it obviously made splashes uh two years ago there were a lot of articles which i'm showing you on screen i'll be browsing while we talk and uh, everybody play, praised the game for the obvious features, the fact that you can play as a nice person, as a bad person, uh, as you can see here on screen, uh, the locations are incredible. But even though this is a game that obviously is a technical milestone, can have some pretty innovative ideas and features, it did not attract my attention ago two years my attention at all two years ago. I want to ask you guys a couple of things and then I'll ask you if you're also with me on something else. Because my opinion, my impressions two years now two years later have changed. I am now for some reason fairly intrigued by the game. But I really wasn't two years ago. And I want to ask you what your trip has been, and if you guys have played the game, how you felt then, and how you feel about it now. You can go first, Brazil. Okay, it's a difficult one. Um, so I bought this game uh, when the lockdown started, because I, I thought I would have played it. Uh, the reality of fact is that um, I just started it, and then uh, um, I don't know. From the start, it did it, I didn't really get catched into it. Uh, I think the main reason is that I've read a lot and I've seen a lot of gameplay that is far too realistic. Uh, you take a horse, you ride the horse, you hit a post, you fall and die. Uh, you fall from the horse and die, which makes everything very realistic. Uh, but far too, you know, not far too, uh, far little. <laughs> I wouldn't say like I've been two weeks in Italy. My English has gone bad. I mean, two months. Uh, I would say um, it's uh, it's not enough fun. First of all, mm. the second big problem I think is input lag. Uh, nobody's talking about this, but when you press up on on the pad, it takes more than a second for the character to move, which doesn't make the game appealing to me for my personal taste. So these are the two main reasons. Uh, I would say I didn't enjoy the game. Uh, when I was in holiday back one month ago, I started the first one on PS3 and I found it very boring. So I don't know if I should buy, uh, if I should start spending time on this game, which I believe is worth the, the, the scores that it took. However, yeah. uh, I'm not sure I want to invest that amount of time for a game like this, whereas I could replay uh, more games probably. That's the thing. So, what was the first game that you played when you returned from holiday? Uh, was it I this one? A... No, I played Neo 2 yesterday. Oh, okay, cool. Why? Why did you feel like, oh, I'm gonna play some Neo 2 to go back into gaming after a break? Because I didn't want anything too serious when I... I still haven't finished Neo 2. I think it's a game that is interesting and every time I restart it... Oh, we lost your audio. Hold on. Oh, I muted my, okay. myself. Restart. I say Neo 2 is, is, a, is an interesting concept that either you put a lot of commitment into it and then you become very good, or you can play every now and then, uh, which makes things a bit more frustrating, but if you don't have like the goal, ah, I need to finish this game, you can spend a couple of hours or an evening playing the game without making any progress, but still having fun. Hmm. Uh, that's why I decided which, to restart. Which ironically is what you would expect 
from an open world game. But you said that you're getting exactly that from Neo, but not exactly from Red Dead Redemption. At least just yet, because you haven't played much of it, so it surely needs a bit more time. Mick, what's your soul? It's it's also true that the story of Neo doesn't doesn't keep you it's not interesting. Mm. Whereas I think the story of Red Dead Redemption it's good. And I don't want to start something that is good to be stuck into it like 17 hours. Right. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Commitment reward. Makes yeah. I do that too. Yeah, for for me it it's it's a it's a kind of a weird topic, I guess. Because I was really a fan of the first one. I really, really loved it. I'm a big Western fan. I mean, yeah, maybe that's most true. Italian people are, I think. I don't know. I'm not. I kind of grew up watching weird black and white westerns mm -hmm. with my grandma. And I kind of hated them. Yeah. But then growing up, I was like, wait, those are really cool. Good. Yeah. And I fell in love with them again. Uh, and when I played the first Red Dead Redemption ages ago, it feels like a century ago mm. on the Xbox 360. We're talking about I, 10 years ago anyway. 10 years ago, yeah. It, it feels like it. It was marvelous. I really enjoyed it. And we're talking about 10 years ago, so we had GTA San Andreas, we had GTA 4, I believe. Yeah. I don't think I've we had, had we played had GTA 4. Yeah, yeah, but we were far from GTA 5 at that point. Um, so I, I personally, I feel like we play Rockstar's games and games like this to kind of try and recapture the feeling of San Andreas. It was my first big open world uh, video game uh, that I could play with friends. And I think that the first Redemption was kind of the Western variation of that uh, I didn't feel the same lure to play this the second one uh, and maybe even because I had to I, I would have had to wait the PC release like remember now we're talking about the game coming out on console it took another six months for the game to come out and at that point maybe I wasn't that in interested anymore and so I completely skipped it I, I know I shouldn't have maybe I was streaming I didn't have enough time to play games offline no that makes sense uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing I should have played it already. Let me buy it. Well, how do you feel about 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 playing it now, two years later? Do you feel that you have you just don't have time? Are you scared? Are we getting scared of open world That's games? That's a very good question. Cause... No, no, I I feel like a good game you can play it ten years from the release and it's still gonna be good. So I'm gonna definitely play it at some point and I'm gonna enjoy it as much as I would have enjoyed it. Hmm. Or maybe even more. Like, who cares if the graphics get old? I'm, I'm this, still playing. These graphics PS1 are not gonna games. get old very easily. Yeah, they're they're pretty. They're, they they they're look like incredible. good pictures. Yeah, they're really yeah, incredible. They're, they're still good. The technical aspect. We're gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna guide you through some other articles. The game came out on consoles on over two discs. I think it was one wow. of the first games to have so much data that Ever? it needed two discs. I think it was Which is kind of weird. One. Why don't they make you download all those data? Uh just because. A physical re release is a physical release. I think that's the idea. No, man, they could have put, like, a part of the game on the disc and a part, you know, just like many games do, online. Yeah, well, they don't. The same has happened well, with people... The Last of Us 2. It comes on huh. two discs. And you have, like, a disc of data and disc that only serves purpose of installation. And... Weird. I don't... I Maybe it might have been, like, some sort of um, requirement for the game to be released to be full on disc maybe, in order maybe. to be compliant yeah. and be released on console. Yeah, an actual product and not a, yeah, they, uh, like an yeah, alpha thing. Yeah. I, I like that though. I really, I miss two disc video games. Like the last one that I played was Devil May Cry 2. That's cool. Which for some reason was on two disc. I guess they really didn't know what to do with, with like video games. Maybe you bought the Rift one. <laughs> no, it was weird. Like Devil May Cry 2, we still don't know who the, the lead director was. Like, Nobody knows in the industry who that guy was. That that's how much they screwed up. They'll make cry too. They ruined it so much that yep. now Devil May Cry 2 in the saga is like the last chronologically. Yep. Yeah, just just they just you know we'll we'll care about it eventually. It's yeah. lost. Whatever happened, it's lost. Yeah, um so as you, as I might have mentioned in previous episodes that you guys can find on the YouTube channel of Game Too Late, I don't have a very good relationship with Rockstar Games for their, for the fact that they tend to have uh, beautiful worlds, 
but they also leave it to you to find the fun in it and even when the story is good I still find it that sometimes um, you know I'm not really particularly drawn into them or they just or I just find them boring that's what I found with Alien War that's what I found with GTA and uh, when I when I when this game came out, I was like, oh, this is a sequel of Red Dead Redemption, which was one of the most disappointing games of the previous generation. I tried really hard to like, well, not even really hard, but I tried hard enough to like the first Red Dead Redemption. But I found that the game was just not a good experience because it was just slow at the beginning. I couldn't read the subtitles. Don't laugh at me, but it's a true story. I could not read the subtitles. They were too tiny. I could not understand was what was going on. Was this before the eye operation or after? I don't remember. It was either way. It was either way. It just <laughs> doesn't matter. They are talking in English that I don't understand. That The subtitles are too tiny. And they are, it's just a strange experience where I'm going from A to B. And the shooting and the weapons, the weapon selection wheel from the GTA style. You know, I found that all that yep. so old. And when this game came out, I saw the weapon selection again, I saw the wheel, like GTA V, and I said, no way, I'm not gonna play this game. But then, after having this scene that the game has been celebrated by many people in the past two years, and by looking at these gorgeous visuals, more recently I've been feeling that maybe I could play it. But again, I'm not, I'm still feeling that Rockstar doesn't deserve my attention too much. I don't want to get lost into this massive thing where I have to go from A to B and A to B and uh, I guess it's not the kind of experience I am looking for right now but anyway that's my two cents but they're not gonna get my two cents but they're getting a lot more sense because they managed to like have to basically they got a total of 725 million dollars in sales and that was basically it was a records uh it was a records of the highest ever pre-order the highest day one sale and the highest sales for the first three day on market for a game on the playstation network so this game generated the 725 million in retail worldwide in the first three days wow. that's also that's like two, that's pretty much 250 250 million a day in the first three days wow. that's uh that's a that means that in four days or five days they got a billion dollar which is possibly yeah. how much it costed to make the game but you know they they've totally recouped the cost and it's unless it, they hire Kiefer Sutherland, maybe unless they hired some particular actors. But yeah, no, the game the game is incredible in terms of what it managed to do for sales. Let's try to have a look at the latest sales number. I don't, I don't think there's anything that even went close at this point. Uh, here it says that by the game shipped 23 million copies in December, 24 million in March, 29 million one year later and well at the moment the latest estimate is that it managed to sell 32 million in June 2020 it is the best selling game of the latter half of 2020 and the seventh best selling game of the decade yeah well that's wow. uh, that's so obviously you know wow that's money. Yeah, that's the money. Uh, and obviously the game was also marred in its re in its launch by some controversies. And we're going to talk about these controversies in our second segment. So stay tuned and you will find the video just after this video. And we're going to talk about crunch culture. We're going to talk about crunch with Rockstar Games and not only Rockstar Games. And we're going to talk about game journalists and the reaction of gamers. But uh, yeah. What, what do you guys feel about Red Dead Redemption? Uh, are, are you guys going to play it? Mick, you, you want to play it, but... And, and yeah, I guess pause it as it. And uh, I don't really know what to do. I Technically, I do want to play it, but because it looks incredible. I mean, look at it. 
but I'm still feeling that it may be a waste of time. Particularly what Prozil said, that it's a bit too realistic. Like, I'm not sure that I need a realistic experience where things are not stylized. I want things to be stylized, you know. I want the sort of thing where you you hit a tree and the tree transforms into a log and the comp and the game tells you you got wood, you know, where it's <laughs> where things are simple instead of realistic. That's Zelda. That's a bit Zelda-ish, yep. yeah. And it works. I guess they're just completely different ways of, of seeing video games and maybe there's always a good balance between those two but sometimes you gotta go to some extremes for some specific games and maybe this was the right game to do it i have to say though that this game really looks incredible the fact that they mm -hmm. managed to make a open world game on ps4 with this level of details i mean it looks almost as good or very much as as good as the last of us 2 but it's mm. an open world. That is crazy. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what they can do if they patch it for next generation of console and uh, GP cards. But I think I'm going to pretty much wrap it up and leave it at this. Uh, we have a second segment to talk about and we're still going to be talking about Rockstar. We're going to still talk about the problem of making big games that are so ambitious. Such ambitious games, they come at a cost, and people, they just don't want to hear that costs are a thing of life. So, let me close this segment by inviting you guys to follow Prozil and Mick on Twitch. And, uh, and to invite you guys to our second video. Are we wrapping it up here? Are you sure you guys don't want to talk about LEGO Harry Potter collection? You don't have anything to say about this? I mean, I actually played LEGO Harry Potter collection. No, on PC. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Have it's I all the. What? No, uh, finish, finish. No, it's it's good. It's all the Lego reporters. It's... it's okay. I wasn't ready for that. Prozel, you were saying. Castlevania Requiem. What's that about? Castlevania about? Requiem. It's a platform adventure for PS4. I'm reading, and I don't really know what it is. Um. I think it might just be... What is this? Is it like a collection? It's a video game series. This of Castlevania Media. What? Where is Requiem? Castlevania Requiem. It's it's a game from 20 bucks on the Play Store. It's a collection it's a, it's old game. of Rondon Blood and Symphony of the Night. Yeah, it's the old game for... That's actually pretty interesting. This is a Symphony of the, of the Night in high resolution, and together with Rondo of Blood. Um, and there is also a high, yeah, a high resolution port of Castlevania, the Dracula's Chronicles. No, I've turned the picture. It's it's so ugly what they did. Played emulated on PC, it's way better. Possibly, possibly. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna send you an image, yeah. put it on the links down below. Okay. I mean, R Rondo of Blood is a pretty rare game because on Super NES, I remember Castlevania 5, no, Castlevania X, got, which was the fifth anyway, was like Rondo of Blood, but like a short version of Rondo of Blood, which was only released in Japan. So I was curious to buy this, and I never did. Oh well, now, now I'm really curious actually. But uh, I don't. Oh, look at that. Two classic games. Also, check oh. the image that I sent you. It's, it, it, will, it will crush the, your, your expectations. I'm not sure I want to. No, thank you, YouTube. Thank you for offering. Are you sure? Thanks. Man, this looks. Okay. I am kind of hyped though. Two classic games, Symphony of the Night. Oh, I love these games. I, I played them. This one I played on SNES, and the other one I haven't played it. This one I haven't played it. I think I might have picked my game, my winner game from, from for this month. My favorite game, the one that I will be playing two years later. Anyway. Guys, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the year because we have a very important segment coming up. We're going to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2. We're going to talk about the crunch and the hardships of making games such as Red Dead Redemption 2. 
So I'll be seeing you again in the next video. Bye bye. Welcome to Talk Too Late. I am Game Too Late and this is a little show where we talk about games and games industry news from two years ago. In this special episode we're going to be talking about something that we could call the hypocrisy of gamers and games journalists in one particular regard. I'm talking about the effort that developers put into making their games and the reaction of the community when these games suffer delay or there are miscommunications around it or there comes the rumor that these games had to be made by resorting to certain bad management practices such as crunch or having crazy overtimes. It's going to be an interesting talk because um, we need to flip the table and change the narrative and go a bit deeper into that conversation to really look at how really hard it is to make games and why we as gamers sometimes react in a hypocritical or childish way. To do so, we're going to be joined by our amazing guest, Mick. Hi, guys. And Prozil. Hello guys. Prozil is appearing a little, a little, like a little thumbnail. That's because I apologize. That's because Skype decides to do that, and uh, we cannot, we cannot help him. We call it Tiny Prozil. Tiny Prozil, but we can assure you that we are not reducing Prozil in size, malevolently or intentionally. It just happens, and he is also well, physically well. We're not actually reducing him. Anyway, I just wanna uh, join you guys because uh, gamers are terrible, aren't they? Right, that's the, that's where we're going. Now let's um, here we are. Let's approach it a bit more, a bit more democratically. Let's just say that making games is really hard, and that um, and that gamers obviously uh, they want these games to push the boundaries because we have been gamers for like uh, 20 decades. Let's just say decades. We don't want to age ourselves, but um, but yeah, as gamers, we're always waiting for that title that is gonna push the boundaries, that is gonna make things uh, better, that is gonna make things more interesting, that is gonna push the technological envelope, so to speak. Two years ago, there was the release of a game that really did push the uh, technological aspect and the scale and scope of the project was beyond ambitious. We're talking about Red Dead Redemption 2, which we mentioned uh, in our previous episode of the Talk Too Late show, which you can find on YouTube. So Red Dead Redemption 2 is a massive undertaking, that's why Rockstar takes years, years to take, you know, to develop a new game. They often come up with an idea, then they scrap it off. You can find a lot of resources online describing how Rockstar works and how they go through a development cycle, then they change ideas and they have to put in more hours of work to fix that idea, to improve, to come up with new formulas and to make things work because making a game of that scale isn't just that easy. But what happened two years ago was the game was surrounded by a lot of controversies. Controversies that came out from game journalists and the press at large. I'm gonna analyze in particularly a few uh, uh, articles here that I picked for you from uh, Kotaku.com or Eurogamer and even GamesIndustry.biz uh, talking about the the work conditions and about the fact that some of these companies have a proper culture of doing crunch and that culture happens because the developers themselves they they want to make the games the game the best game possible right and so this crunch has to happen but in the recent years we have seen a phenomenon of uh, review bombing of people boycotting the game of gamers that are probably becoming a bit more self-aware as a consumer and they're obviously be becoming more vocal sometimes a bit too vocal sometimes pointlessly vocal uh, but yeah they're starting boycotting things so these new dynamics are appear are coming up where companies are now trying to look a bit more righteous and a bit more virtuous like more recently has been the case with cyberpunk so i'm seeing before i give you guys the mic i'm seeing a certain parallelism between rockstar Red Dead Redemption 2 two years ago and CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk now. Both games are surrounded by this rumors or crazy culture or imposed over time and the game journalists are there trying to find dirt about them and, uh, and then you know sometimes you just have to accept that these people 
these workers, they're working on the biggest games of the decade. And they have or they want or they feel it's necessary to put in these crazy hours. And gamers sometimes see that because of the game journalists that are trying to build up a story, gamers, you know, see that part of the job as in... As, in, as if these people were enslaved by the evil corporation to work on their computer 80 hours a week. And it's it's not untrue, but the story is a bit more complicated than that. And I know a bit about it because, you know, I've worked in the games industry a little bit, together with Prozilly can claim to do the set to have, the been, to have been doing the same. So we know how things are, but I'm just gonna throw it out there and let you talk. I've done my introduction. When you are waiting for a much-anticipated game, and your developer says no sorry it's it's delayed how much does it impact you or annoys you and does it annoys you does it that annoy you more than when you hear stories about them being you know having to do crunch and being terrible with their employees what do you guys have to say i'll leave it to you guys thanks a lot Mick, Prozil. I think, I think I'll go first because I know that Prozil has a very big stance on this. You guys uh, gravitate towards the industry more than I do. So I have, I have probably less to say about, probably I'm even more egoistical into this, but maybe not. Let's say that uh, I think, and, I'm, and you guys can all agree that every job has its crunch time. If you work in a pizzeria, if you work in a restaurant, God damn it, if you work in a restaurant, if you work in a CD store, there's always going to be the customer that arrives when you're closing down. There's always going to be the moment when somebody gets sick and you have to work for two people. There's always going to be the moment that your employers wasn't ready for this and you have to cover it. Um, I think we live in a society that it's very uh, fast and, and frantic about what we do and what we consume and we want it quickly, we want it all, and we want more and more and more. Video games used to come out one every year. Kinda, that was it. Monkey Island 1, you wait for a little bit, a couple of years, Monkey Island 2, but they were short games to do. Uh, nowadays it takes around five years to develop a decent game. Yeah. If you and don't Monkey have an engine. Island, if I may quickly interrupt you, Monkey Island was probably developed by a team of like eight people, and yeah. these uh, games sure. are developed by 8,000 people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And um, I think that we... I mean, I mean, we, this world, everybody forgot that there is always a human component behind what you buy and what you do and what you choose to consume. We don't, we don't care. We don't really care. And we are willing to step on everybody to have the hot cup of coffee at the bar. We want everything as we, you know, we are paying for. I am completely, perfectly okay with video games being delayed. Not so much so because... I, I would like to avoid the crunch time. We will talk about it maybe later, but even Cyberpunk will have some crunch time, right? Even though it was late many, many times. Yeah. These things happen in every, my job as well. I have to cover colleagues sometimes and I get out later. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would rather though wait to have a product that has been done by people that maybe had a little bit more time to get into that artsy mood set instead of uh, being cold-blooded machines. And they will be no matter what, unfortunately. But maybe if delaying the video game a month might give it that final touch, that final artsy effect, I am really willing to wait. It, you can't really rush art just in general. You wouldn't be like, Van Gogh, did you did you do that? Can you can you cut your ear faster? You, you can't really do that. And the and the uh, other and thing I, about art is that you if you are inspired, you're not gonna work eight hours a day. Yeah. 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 Like you know, as you there are artists 12, who work 16. thirty hours, as in like yeah. straight. Yeah. You know, you could yeah. you could literally find a painter that told you, yeah, I couldn't Absolutely. stop. I had to work thirty hours. Absolutely. So. Uh, Guess the moment we sell art, we make it a business. It's it's weird. It's a noxymore. It it kind of gets into a weird place. Mm -hmm. I am although it, put it on my grave. I am willing to wait a month or a year for a video game. Don't don't make it faster for me, please. That Cyberpunk, they they can even delay more. I'll I'll play it. I'll play even 
the, the Rockstar game. I'll yeah. play it like two years and a half yeah. after, but I'll play it. But the point is that you cannot delay something forever because delaying means increasing I... the cost. You know, and you make it more and more costly and eventually you no longer break even and you develop the game for 10 years and uh, you're going to destroy your company. Prozil, does it affect you when you hear about crunch stories or when you hear about delays and how do you compare the two and how do you fight against the two? And then we're going to talk about the hypocrisy and certain mechanism of us as gamer which I have prepared for you. Prozil, what's your, what's your thoughts? Right. It's difficult to be concise here. Uh, so it doesn't bother me when a game is delayed. I think what the problem is, is the hype that is generated around the game. Last time I was bothered by a delay was Metal Gear 5, uh, which was, you know, delayed, I think, once or twice. And you know, we know how, how the game was released. So going back, I will be bothered if they took two more years to finish the game. Uh, that's that's the part. Uh, regarding crunch, it's a difficult one because we, you know, crunch, there are two methodologies of doing crunch. Uh, one is the where employees are spoiled and they are forced to. Uh, the other one is where employees really like to do crunch because they feel part of the project, they feel involved. Uh, because for some of them, it's a matter of proud working on weekends and, and, and being there when the game needs them, right? They, they feel like rewarded of work on the project. And when I work on project in the past, I cannot name the project, but even AAA titles, uh, it was the same thing. It wasn't a problem for me doing uh, a weekend over time. Uh, but I admit that when you do a full week and then you do a weekend with 12 hours in a row, you pretty much exhausted so the quality that you can deliver is not the same as it would be when you go around uh, eight hours work uh, so that's really the point uh, when we read about rockstar we know a lot about uh, employees that cannot see their families cannot see their friends they they barely have lives uh, apparently i've also read about Bring, people bring in sleeping bags in their offices, yep. which makes things uh, very, very uh, frustrating, claustrophobic, uh, very dark. Uh, and I don't know how a game like, uh, how this can bring happiness into a game. However, when I look at the game like The Last of Us 2, I think that that amount of detail brought into the games are not because of spoiled people, but because of people that wanted really to participate to the to the project itself, like the blood on the snow or things like like details, like in graphics uh, and how these flow in the in a PS4. I, I think that cannot be just because people did crunch. So yeah, there are two type of crunch. Resuming, uh, one is the voluntary crunch, and the other one is the one when employees are forced. And, and I would assume there is a third type of crunch, which are, which are the people that still want to contribute to the game and do their utmost, but they have other colleagues that are very competitive. I talked before about people that brag about doing crunch or feels like, yeah, of course I'll do it, because they feel like that's the right moment to contribute to the game. But there are people that, that can do exactly the same job without feeling forced as well. So I think it's a very vicious mechanism. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I should choose, uh, that should be forbidden. Crunch should be forbidden. Also because a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 is like a multi-millionaire game. Like it's, we're talking about a game that makes a ton of money and I think it's enough to, to hire people and not forcing them to do crunch as they should. Of course, a bit of crunch is needed. But sleeping bags for months, I think that that's unfair. Force, yeah, I totally agree. Force crunch sucks. Uh, yeah, I think that as Pozil was saying, um, as Pozil was saying, uh, the there is a very much an element of these massive productions that where the level of details, the crazy things that you see in these games as their their achievement, in terms of their achievement 
it doesn't come because a manager says oh and then when that leaf is gonna touch the snow the the leaf is gonna get wet when the ray of sun arrives and no it comes from the bottom when you see those crazy yeah. details it comes from that person that actually sure. probably even had to go up to his manager and say i want this thing to be in the game and they had to probably you know stop him from from inflating costs of the game etc etc and going beyond scope so it really comes from the bottom as as Pozzle was saying in the industry there is that kind of crunch and it's made worse by the fact that people some people in the wrong culture and it is a matter of culture they have this thing of yes doing crunch i'll do it i'll just fucking fuck myself up because <laughs> some people are like that when they talk about these games well, let's talk about gamers for a second. I want to push the conversation further. further. This game, another game that's coming out, is Cyberpunk. And these, I mean, gamers are complaining. Complaining. They've, uh, we recently, in recent times, we have people, we have heard rumors, or, uh, no, rumors, sorry, noise. We have seen review bombing on in, um, impeccable games, such as The Last of Us 2. For the craziest reason, we are seeing uh, people annoyed by Cyberpunk with the fact that it's being delayed or whatever. We are now seeing people uh, complaining these days about Avenger, the new Square Enix game, the Avenger games. Uh, people are complaining that the content is not enough, they are waiting for the updates, but you know, blah blah blah. So. I'm seeing the hypocrisy, and it is what I see as a hypocrisy, as the fact that us gamers, we are becoming more and more vocal when a company is doing crunch, when people are saying, when you hear these articles, which are obviously what the press needs to sell copies and get clicks, and whenever there is a new games, the press is there to kind of check on the companies and come up with their articles saying like oh this 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 new game is amazing but yes it's been made by crunch because people had to work you know whatever hours to make it happen and as you said well you know some 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 something's gotta give you need those hours and so gamers are now becoming more vocal and going like oh yeah i'm gonna boycott this and this and that but my problem my hypocrisy is that the same gamers who are now wanting companies to be better, the same gamers that want companies to be correct and righteous and they are always ready to rally for this cause, they are the same gamers that would go after the developers as soon as they there is a problem with a patch, as soon as a game doesn't have enough content on a uh, game as a platform, or as soon as there is anything, these people, you have developers or actors or other people involved in the game receiving death threats. So it's funny when you have a part yep. of the community going like, hey, you big evil corporation, shouldn't treat your developers like this. And then, you know, a developer fucks up and the same community goes, Fuck you, I'm gonna get you killed, motherfucker. I'm gonna, you know. They obviously rally against uh, whatever whatever is upsetting them at that moment in time. And they find that to be particularly a crip, uh, hypocritical. And I find that the press is being a bit instrumental in this cycle, which I'm gonna describe uh, a bit later. Uh, because obviously, these things that has been coming up now, uh, they they this this sort of uh you know attention for the crunch culture in companies uh it caused companies to try to be better you look at ubisoft these days ubisoft fired everybody because not everybody but they fired some layers of management because they were there were instances of people being mistreated or uh, sexual sexual harassment in the workplace at Ubisoft and so they went there and they obviously tried to clean their face by you know firing the management and uh, and uh, CD Projekt Red has tried to do the same reassuring everybody that they were not going to do crunch time and now the journalists are actually finding that of course they're going to do crunch time because sure. because companies are having to look righteous and virtuous and they're making all this statement and they're trying to look good but it cannot be done because you don't know what making games is like and so the, the companies are making bigger and bigger claims trying no 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 we're good guys we're not evil corporation we're the good guys but the games and the ambitions of the games are getting bigger and so when a game comes out next year there's gonna be let's say God of War 2 there's gonna be Zelda the new Zelda there's gonna be you know 
whatever, Uncharted 5 or whatever, and then the journalists are gonna be there waiting for, you know, to quiz developers and the developers are gonna have to admit that of course they did crunch time because how do you, how would you not do a game without crunch time? It's impossible not to, to avoid completely all the crunch time because you don't know what you get yourself into. And at that point, the press finds you with this problem, they go to the gamers, the gamers get more are, they get more upset with the companies, the companies have to look even better and they make even bigger claim and this is a cycle. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I still like that gamers are vocal on aspects of the games industry, but I want to say that in the end this is pointless because with making, with making these games you cannot Crunch is always gonna be there because this sort of the details are impossible. What like this sort of work is impossible to obtain with the nine to five, and um, and uh, and gamers are you know obviously they care but they shouldn't boycott the game, and uh, and I think that uh, I think that what Posey was saying earlier is really true because imagine you're working a naughty dog or imagine you're working on cyberpunk you're working on the next you're working at rockstar you don't work in these companies because you want a cashy job you want in this company because you want to make the best game of the decade and so this is a broken system where gamers are trying to protect the developers from themselves from the nature of the of the job and in the meantime the companies are trying to look good and the press is trying to catch them to find dirt on them so i don't know where this is going where do you don't what do you guys think about the culture uh, uh that is that is being that is coming up and that is being created in this last year by these dynamics which obviously ended up resulting in crazy review bombings like review bombings that have no meanings but just because you know people are upset because there is a big evil corporation out there and we need to stop them because we are gamers or whatever i leave it to you guys i've said my my opinion it's up there bam thank you what do you think mick prozil mick is gone i think that this thing will change or will end at some point in the last probably 10 years the video game industry the video game market has changed so drastically it's not like there's a few there's a, a big amount of people but a few people passionate about video games and they want to have a good time now video games we talked about this on previous episodes now video games are made mostly for kids and mom that have to buy video games for the kids not uh, not not the whole market is is full of those but a lot of developers need to target those kids and those moms so the numbers are bigger the the players are different and un until we change this maybe we won't change it but maybe until we change it this this mindset i think it could go only worse from here i don't see i don't see this slowing down at any point video games need to be needs to need to come back as a form of art and they need to come back as a a form of you know that pleasure we used to have you know adults young teenagers playing video game enjoying the story and oh let's see what this where this goes instead of oh call of duty kills kills i need more call of duty give me more microtransaction now. don't you think it become it became too easy for gamers to reach out to the developers, to just be in touch with the developers. Because obviously developers want to have a conversation with the community, but then yeah. the community consists of a bunch of people always unhappy with something. And you, uh, can, you can tweet at Spielberg, it's not gonna care about you though, but if you tweet at EA, they're gonna be like, oh no, my customer is upset about the delay of that I, patch. I don't know if EA is really like that, but in general, it, it scares me to think that people like that some actors from the last of us have received you know death threats over the character that they were playing as just because i mean obviously this is this has been the same for actors in cinema you know yeah but, well for ages. What, what i'm trying to think is that it wasn't like this in the games industry before and in the re mm -hmm. recent years there's always going to be a bigger bigger range of things and yep. and 
and crunch is it's just the byproducts of making ambitious game so it's not gonna stop and it's gonna become more and more vocal uh, and it's hypocritical when those same gamers are the ones that are really punishing with these companies they, are, they do the they they are they're really you know when they don't like something gamers are really vocal and ruthless mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time that they there seem to be some of them that you know they really against the crunch culture but i find that just to be a strange uh compromise that can cannot ever be met and eventually it's going to create some sort of strange uh sure circuit Paul, what do you have to add on the topic yeah i agree with mick that probably we should go back to have video games as a form of art not that all of them are not, but uh, something has changed and user consumism has driven this part too much. Um, I think that in a way, you know, with the internet and a lot of information that go around, it will settle by itself, but we will need, you know, around 10 years for it to happen. Uh, the same we've seen video game changing 10 years ago. Now I think this will change and everything will be um, settled. I also assume that uh, home testing will be more and more open nowadays. Uh, if you think about, you know, testing a beta was something like they did try on Dark Souls uh, many years ago remotely. Uh, I think you can you can still do this up to a certain level. Uh, I think that. A lot of part of game development will be made remotely uh, and will give the chance to employees to contribute to games without having to crunch too much or without having a manager that tells them you need to do, you know, you need to be here even though you have nothing to do. Uh, So I think things will change. It will just need time. I think is that, uh, as I was saying, the fact that people are now very careful about the topic of crunch is causing companies to make bigger claim. And some companies, they have started saying that like, we are gonna make games without, you know, without resorting to crunch or just resorting to the minimum crunch. And journalists are now gonna be there to catch them foul and find dirt on them when they obviously don't manage to do it. The reality of game making is that there are a lot of people that like this article from two years ago say here is how you avoid video game development and then they talk on these uh, articles about uh, you don't need to work too many years you know look too many hours uh we only do very little overtime and this is our company and this is what we do and they release interview about their method of not doing any crunch but with all due respect these companies are very small and the scope of the project is very different from, you know, bigger companies, which are international conglomerates of studios that are cooperating on a single code, which will contribute to being a single product, which will serve millions of people. So people obviously give you tips about things like leaderships and things like that. But at the end of the day, these things are really just inapplicable in the context of a game of a situation where rockstar because this gaming culture this crunch cultures came up from within these companies themselves because that's the job when you're doing crazy things and it's bad it's bad culture and uh, there's nothing you can do about it and it's good that we have the press really watchful over this topic and really you know trying to find dirt on the companies and trying to keep the companies to their promises but i believe that the promises that we're seeing in the game from companies are totally unrealistic no we are not going to make games without crunch we're not going to make well we can make games with a crunch i work in a video game companies that doesn't make crunch very little over time ever not even ever mandatory of course, but it's completely different kind of project, different different kind of market we're looking at. So I'm scared that eventually, you know, people this is not going to stop by itself because these claims are being made and they cannot be they cannot be respected. Making games of this scale is just a matter of 
doing the impossible. As you said, Mick, as you, I think somehow you recapped it in a very efficient way as your, with your first example. It's like when you were a pizza chef, or you are when you are a pizza chef, and you have a customer arriving at 10.30 when you're about to shut down. And video game development is really like that all the time. Your schedule is completely yeah. torn off in this regard. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So I don't, I don't think the gamers can, under, can understand that, and I don't think we are, we we are dealing with journalists that are able to say it. Journalists don't say it because mm. it's it's not yep. a, it's not compliant to law. So the journalist is always going to side from the side of the law. You're never going to find a journalist that tells you, yeah, this company is making crunch. Thank, I think we should thank them for that because otherwise the game will never come out. It's not a matter of delaying. As I was saying, it's not a matter of delaying. You cannot delay a game because it doesn't become better automatically. Yeah, it only becomes more expensive. You need the, you need and more expensive is more problematic. More expensive is more problematic because you need to sell more copies and selling more copies puts more pressure on those same people. In fact, their work conditions could get worse in future projects if they have to sell more copies to begin with. So, crunch is the only way to make everything come through one single hoop within within a certain time schedule. So, yeah. Anything else you guys want to add to this crazy, crazy topic, which we're gonna maybe review 10 years from now to see how the industry has changed. But it's been an interesting little topic. Anything else you wanna add to this? I wanna add like a very minor, tiny things. Actually two, but same same sentence. I think that Metagear Solid 5 would have been awesome with crunch time. That's exactly what game journalists should have been said. These exactly. guys haven't done enough, nowhere near enough crunch time. They put cameras into the Konami, the Kojima production. They, <laughs> they, they weren't allowed to go out more. <laughs> Give us more. What is the last part? Yeah. Well, I don't want matter base. I want a story. Yeah, I don't know. And a Resident Evil 3 remake would have needed like another 2000 hours of work. The, the to crazy be a the crazy thing is game. that I don't think not even crunch time could have saved Metal Gear Solid 5 or RE3 remake. Or RE3 remake. I think that was Probably probably you could have saved Resident Evil. Uh, sorry, you could save Metal Gear Solid 5. You 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 fire Kiefer Sutherland. You do crunch. With the money that you save, you can actually hire so, many, so much money. So much more money. Cool. Nobody needed to work on weekends. Prozil, what do you think about crunch? Is crunch necessary? I mean, you, we talked about crunch in itself, but sorry. What, what do you think? Is there anything else we want to add? And am I am I completely, completely selfish in saying that developers should just do the crunch that they need to do because they know in advance that they are going against an impossible goal? And that's gonna be part of the deal in a gig-based industry such as game development. No, I don't think you know. Difficult because it depends what time of what type of developers you have. Um, there is a lot of you know uh, in video games. There is a lot of different way of firing people and building teams. I believe if you have a solid team uh, and you may really have an open uh, policy of crunch that doesn't force employees to do crunch but they can do whatever they want without signing any agreement that's the real crunch uh, all the rest I think is uh, it's poisoning the industry guys we're gonna stop the segment here don't make sure you follow this playlist of different topics different opinions that we have on the game too late YouTube channel. I'm gonna thank my two amazing guests, uh, which you can find on Twitch. Mick Mayo is on Twitch. You can find him. He streams a bit of everything. And these days, what are you streaming, Mick? Uh, Shadow of War, which is the follow-up to Shadow of Mordor. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And uh, The Walking Dead, now season two. We've got season one. Now season two will go until the end of whatever happened to Clementine, because I don't know. Yeah, okay, cool. And I invite you guys to follow Prozil at twitch.tv. Prozil, you play too much. And Prozil, what are you going to be playing in these days, this future day? Are you going to be playing Red Dead Redemption 2? And are you going to marvel at all that crunch time made graphics? 
No, I think I'm gonna replay The Last of Us. There are a couple of achievements, uh, like finishing the game. Yeah, finishing the game without dying, and hardcore mode, which I I still need to plot in the game. Now I have these two trophies, I'll be busy. Um, plus, I think I'll finish Neo probably. Yeah. Cool. You guys are gonna be doing video game crunch time yourself in playing the games. As for me, I am Game Too Late. This was the Talk Too Late show, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow our Facebook page, follow our YouTube, uh, reach out. Thanks again to my two amazing guests, and I'll be seeing you guys in the next video in about a week or so. Follow our channel, stay tuned, stay safe, and stay crunchy. Bye-bye. Bye.